sunlit world of what he believes to be reality. But there is, unseen by most, an underworld, a place that is just as real, but not as brightly lit. A dark side. Hey, what's up, and welcome back to Talks from the Dark Side. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. And I'm Chris Barr. And today we're talking about Episode 7, Inside the Closet, with an original air date of November 21st, 1984. Uh, we're trying something a little different this episode, so we're going to give you a brief uh, synopsis crunch, um, according to the interwebs and or Fangoria magazine, or vintage Fangoria magazines. Uh, this one today is not one of the original Fangoria uh, synopsis, so uh, let's hit it. Uh, graduate student Gail Ansley takes up room for rent in the house of Dr. Fenner, the dean of a local veterinary school. She discovers that her new room has a strange miniature door inside it and estimates that there may be something lurking on the other side. Directed by Tom Zavini and written by and written by Michael McDowell. Written by Malcolm McDowell. My- <laughs> yes, it was Malcolm McDowell the whole time. I had no idea he was a screenwriter. Me neither. Actually, I totally thought it said Malcolm McDowell. I just was like, oh yeah, that's close enough to Malcolm. Sure, obviously, brain. So he's actually a big, he's actually like a heavy hitter on this one. Yeah. The guy, this guy wrote Beetlejuice and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, Stephen King's Thinner, or uh, Richard Bachman's Thinner. <laughs> okay, another movie I like quite a bit. Yeah, he actually, he did six episodes of Tales from the Dark Side, and then a couple years later did two episodes of Monsters. Yeah, I think he directed uh, a, Tales, a, uh, a Tales episode as well. Uh, the, the Seasons of Belief episode with... Um, the guy from Creepshow? I've, oh, I forget his name. Uh, the, they're creeping up on you. The the old guy. Oh, shit. Yeah, who was that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I forget his name, but uh, yeah, it's the Grither episode with a too big... F- anyway, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he also wrote uh, the screenplay for Lot 249. Uh, he didn't write the story. That What is that? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Yeah, the original one. Yeah, he, re- he did the screenplay, though, so, which is... Uh Equally as important. Yeah, and he wrote The Lover's Vow, too, for uh, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, uh, the movie. Yeah, with doing, between this series, Monsters, and then the Tales from the Dark Side movie, he's uh, definitely, um, you know, a good guy to have, uh, you know, on the cast here. Absolutely. Uh, Just real quick, I I just happened to look at his bio, because it said something kind of curious and then i opened it up and it was like yeah uh he was an avid collector of post-mortem photos specifically train decapitations whoa that's a very specific hobby to be into he would collect specifically trained decapitation photos he was really disappointed when that guy in the being fucking actually was able to make it across those tracks in time he's like damn that would have been a good one to keep (laughs) And uh, he also collected baby casket plaques. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah, he had some hobbies. The guy that wrote Beetlejuice, it lines up. <laughs> he, was a, he was a morbid kind of guy, and I'm kind of into it. And he, uh, he passed away in 1999 in Massachusetts. Yeah, and then he, had a, uh, he was working on a novel at the time called Candles Burning. Oh, yeah. And then uh, that was actually picked up by Tabitha King, Stephen King's wife. And uh, yeah, she published it uh, a little later. Oh, cool. He started that in like 1950. 
I read. Yeah. And then she finally finished it like after he passed away. That's crazy. Yeah. So he was, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, again, between working on this series and then, you know, everything else, he was in with the Rubensteins, Stephen King. Yeah. And then, of course, fucking Tom Savini is directing this. I mean, he's directing and he's and he's doing the uh, the creature effects for this episode. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Tom Savini. Uh, the director of uh, Night Living Dead remake. <laughs> well, n- 1990, yeah. It's a good remake. <laughs> That's um, He's done a couple other things, right? Uh, yeah, just a few. He did. Uh, he actually did a uh, one episode of the new Creep Show series. Yes, the Loch Ness Monster episode or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he's really famous for doing the uh, makeup effects on this character called Jason or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, he was also, uh, yeah, he's also an actor. He's been in Night Riders. <laughs> <laughs> I love him as what was his character in uh, what was that fucking Robert Rodriguez movie? Oh, Sex Machine. Yeah, Sex Machine. <laughs> with, yeah, with the dick gun. Yeah, the pistol dick. Yeah, from Dust Till Dawn. He's also one of the bikers in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, he was in Martin and uh, The Ripper. Probably what he's best known for. And you can see him as a zombie from uh, Dawn of the Dead in Land of the Dead. He's still walking around there, Joe. Lest, lest we forget, uh, he is he is one of the couples, one of the guys who gets killed in Maniac by himself. <laughs> yeah. It's not Joe Spinell. It's it's Tom Sveedy jumping on the top of the roof and blowing his own fucking head off. <laughs> it's a metaphor for his acting career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or his personality, I would say. Yeah. Well, since we're uh, ripping on Tom Savini, <laughs> break the knife out and just just stick it right in the jugular. Uh, uh, look, look. Let me preface this with the fact that Tom Savini was like one of my the biggest one of the biggest inspirations for doing special effects makeup. Of course, I mean he's I think he's a lot of people's right, especially uh, people my age. Yeah, he's. I mean, the guy's a legend. The guy's a legend. Unfortunately, he's kind of a dick, and uh, I met him twice. Now, I think I told this. Did I tell the story on the on uh, the main feed episodes for Movie Dumpster? I might have. You may have, but it's probably been a couple of years, to be honest. It's worth telling again. It, it really is. <laughs> so I'm uh, 16, um, and I have just seen Creep Show in a real way, where I'm like, "Wow, this is the fucking greatest movie ever fucking made." Oh my God! Tom Savini is going to be at Monster Mania, which is a um, convention we have here on the East Coast. Um, so he's there, and I'm like, "Fuck! This is going to be amazing!" I got his fucking book. Um, I got a copy of Creep Show. I'm like super excited to meet this guy. So I go up to him, and I'm like, and I'm talking to him, and he already feels like he doesn't like want to be there or like talk to me because I'm just like a little kid or whatever. You know, I'm a teenage kid. I I don't know. But uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I read the book, and, and, and I love Creepshow so much. And I'm like, man, the way you did those bullet holes where you, like, put it on the people's head and, like, pulled it off with the fishing line. I was like, that's genius. And he's like, yeah, yeah, well, they don't do it like that anymore. It's, uh, it's old, it's, you know. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> what? And it was, like, the most devastating shit, man, like, to have, like, just to be, like, dismissed by somebody you like look up to and sort of idolize well it has to be it's like you know you were looking up to this guy in his work and then you finally meet him and uh yeah he's just a just a dickhead he's just like very dismissive and just like he doesn't want to be bothered or whatever i've had some other people tell me that he has like bipolarism or like he just he's just kind of anxious and kind of shy which i get but like i don't know i'm just some fucking kid like you couldn't just be like yeah man that's cool 
or whatever. He was the same way when I met him at a different convention. Yeah. I was like all excited to talk to him about effects and like his school because he he does the the effects school in uh, at a Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was originally going to go to that. Uh, that's a that's another story for a different day of why I didn't go. But uh, yeah, but yeah, Tom Savini. It's like I was all excited to meet him and you know talk to him about the school, and it kind of like changed my mind a little bit. Did it really? Yeah. It just I'm like, oh, this is this is how it is. All right. And it wasn't like a thing of like you know I know people at conventions are always sort of you know you got to catch them on a good day, but yeah. Yeah, he was just very cold and uh, like not friendly. Didn't want, yeah, again, didn't want to be there. And, uh, you know, you get excited to meet someone like that. And it's like, eh, all right. You know, it didn't sway me from doing makeup effects, but like it, it kind of hurt my soul. I, I, I thought that like he'd be very encouraging. And so I met George Romero around the same time and uh, he was super supportive. Um, and it was cool. And I was expecting to have a similar interaction and I didn't get it. So uh, so let's fast forward to uh, Joe when he's uh, 33 years old. <laughs> Talking about the show right here, right now. Talking about the show right here, right now, and another my second encounter with Tom Savini. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot you said there was a second one. My bad. Oh, yeah. that That's what I'm saying. This is the best one. <laughs> this is a recent scar. So, again, Monster Mania, and th- it's COVID's happening, so they can't have it where they normally have it, so... Uh, the Mahoning Drive-In Theater opens their grounds to have Monster Mania, the Monster Mania convention there and show films and they showed Creepshow that night and a bunch of stuff. They showed it on Halloween last year. So now 33-year-old Joe is like, oh man, I have watched way more movies since I've been 16 and I love The Prowler and of course I still love Creepshow and stuff, but I love The Prowler as well. Uh, so I had put a costume together a while ago, uh, of Rosemary's Killer, like in the movie. So I was like, huh, I get a second chance to meet Tom Savini and kind of, uh, amend that shit that happened when I was 16. And I'm going to wear the full costume to a movie that I'm sure not a lot of people like talk to him about, or, you know, it, you know, I, I would assume not a lot of people are coming dressed up as the fucking Rosemary's Killer. So anyway, so I go there and I'm and I have my fucking my Italian day bill or whatever the fuck they call it in uh, Italy, and I and I go in uh, to the snack bar and I and I go to uh, get his autograph and meet him again. So I walk up and he's like looking at me, but like looking away at the same time. Like he's looking at me, then he's looking away. He knows you're gonna talk to him. Yeah. So I come. <laughs> <laughs> what gave it away? You think? Uh, yeah. Could it be me dressed up in the fucking costume of one of your <laughs> you know early films? Maybe. Yeah. He's like, don't recognize me. Don't recognize me. <sighs> Which is shitty. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, he's like, hey. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, I love your work. Like, you know, again, I told him again, I was like, you're a big inspiration uh, to me as a as a uh, as a special effects artist and, and stuff like that, you know. And uh, he's just like, oh, that's, yeah. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> so I pull out the poster. I'm mind you, I'm dressed up in this whole fucking getup. You can't even see my face because I'm in the whole costume, right, with the fucking helmet and everything on. If you if you don't know what uh, the Prowler is or Rosemary's Killer, look it up. And the killer with the helmet and the fucking coat and the jacket and everything, I'm all decked out in this shit. So I open the poster and I put it down, and he's like, "Huh, Rosemary's Killer? Yeah, I worked on that. Remember?" And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm in the costume." Oh. 
my god like no shit you worked on this why do you think i'm talking to you yeah and he's like he's like yeah where'd you get this and i'm like uh ebay and he's like huh and th- and he's like signing this and it's just super awkward yeah meanwhile doesn't even mention the costume you put together doesn't even mention the costume or like hey that's really awesome or whatever like his wife or his- was like wow that's great and he like just didn't respond, so I was like, "Oh, can I get a picture with you?" So we, you know, we stand up and get the picture, and, and and that was it. I was just like, "I was like, thanks so much," and he's just like, "Yep, thanks," and just like sits back down. So I was defeated twice. Joe, uh, real quick, you have to post that picture of him and the costume. I'm gonna. I will post it. <laughs> oh my god. Was he drunk? Did he have too many fucking muscle relaxants before the convention? No, again, I, I just heard that. I had just heard he's he's maybe it's just because he's shy or maybe because he's a dick. I don't know, but I that's two experiences. Uh, what? Ten years apart, twenty years apart. <laughs> yes, yeah. two strikes, you're out. So I'm just like. You know, it was it was a fucking drag, but it was also hilarious. I walked out of there laughing because I was like, "Huh, I guess that's just the way he is." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Tom Savini, legendary actor <laughs> slash director. Uh, yeah. So, with that being said, um, well, it's like they say, never meet your idols. Uh, yeah. Right. Never. Yeah. Never meet your heroes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever thought of that phrase was uh like typing in their car in like the chiller theater parking lot. <laughs> After meeting Tom Savini. It's like, man, fuck that guy. Never meet Tom Savini. Wait, that sounds mean. Hey, guys. Hashtag never meet your heroes. Before hashtags were a thing. Yeah. After buying the entire Dark Shadows series for $12 on a bootleg DVD. (laughs) (laughs) So, real quick, just a couple little things before we start talking about this. Because there's a a lot of good things uh, in this episode. Uh... Patrick McNee, who was who's Doc, the doctor in uh, The Howling, he apparently did the intro to Tales from the Dark Side in the UK. I had no idea about that. Have you heard this? No. No. He's credited on IMDb as the narrator, and you know, there's only one guy who does the narration for for the US version. So I need to track this down <laughs> and see if we can find this so we can post it and and show people. But yeah, he he's credited as like doing the uk intro so that that's something i have to hear this now yeah right i gotta find because i've never even heard of it like in all the years that we've been into the show and like you know researching it or like finding like cool shit about it i wonder how stupid it is uh it might be neat yeah. he's a good he's he's good I, I don't know you throw a british accent on anything and it sounds good the original one has some it, there's like a soul to it oh well yeah it's creepy as fuck yeah you know so uh so let's talk about inside the closet man this, we got two well, fucking one banger after another with this. We got slippage, we got inside the closet, and we got a couple fucking bangers coming up because I got to tell you something. This feels like the series is starting to hit its stride, right? Yeah, it's like this is where we're finally getting into a steady, like, you know, feel of like a, just solid stories. Yeah, it's it's hitting that groove. Um and man, we got Fritz Weaver here doing his fucking thing as Doctor Fenner. I'm a I'm a huge, huge, huge Fritz Weaver fan. Um, obviously, the, the beginnings at at Creep Show. You know, he plays the doctor uh, or the dean rather in um, 
in the crate uh, segment, who's like always running around with like the college girls and stuff, and then uh, ends up uh, with the janitor, and they pull the fucking uh, the titular crate, the Arctic Expedition monkey out of the fucking basement or uh, the underneath the stairs. Yeah, and then it kills Adrian Barbeau. Well, yeah, he just just tells to call you Billy, man, and there you go. <laughs> Just have it call you Billy. <laughs> and here, it's like this is where we see more of that crossover between Creepshow and this series. I'm almost positive John Harrison is doing the the music in this episode too, um, and I believe this is one of the ones where the original score is intact. It is, yeah, because it's John Harrison. Yeah, it's really good. It's great, um, and it feels it's very. It's like the remnants of Creepshow. This episode, it, it kind of it's like the crate light. I would say. Yeah, it almost feels like a little bit more produced than some of the other ones. Like, there's more money that went into this, it feels like. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's hit, It hit its stride. It's hitting its stride now. It's, feel, it's hitting that groove, man. Yeah, Joe, that's like really the best way to kind of describe this. It's, yeah, the crate light. The crate... <laughs> It, that just dawned on me. So, so uh, Fritz Weaver is Doctor Fenner, and he, he, it's it's great because he's uh, the dean of the veterinary school, and and we and this chick uh, Gail comes because she's looking for a room for cheap. Yeah, for cheap, and he's like the last guy in the in the in the fucking town with it with a room. Uh, part of my head canon here is that we're actually near Miskatonic University. Yes. <laughs> I would agree. And Fritz Weaver is actually David Gale. Dude, he is hobnobbing with fucking David Gale and uh, Jeffrey Combs for sure. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of uh, Dr. Hill in here. Oh, yeah. I love all the rules he fucking lays down for this uh, rental, though. He's like, no TV, no radio, no boyfriends. Basically, don't make a peep because uh, I'm busy at all hours of the day and I need absolute silence to do my job. No boyfriends trooping around through the night. You know, he's like this fucking uh, super learned guy who who's a no-nonsense fucking dude. And I guess, so he does, he's the dean of the veterinary building or the hospital or whatever the fuck they have, a school there. But um, he's, he's also, it's like partly anthropology as well. And like throughout the house, there's a uh, monkey and baboon skulls and teeth and shit. And like, yeah. And here's where we get sort of a tease at like, what's kind of going on here. Yeah. Th- there's like uh, the evolutionary uh, skulls and, and mouths and teeth of, of primates and shit, and there's, like, mounts on the wall and stuff like that. Um, almost suggesting that this creature that we come to find out is, like, possibly a missing link or something? Maybe. Yeah, this episode, there's a lot that it teases with, but doesn't fully explain a lot of things. Yeah, you know... But it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's it's it makes it work. Oh, that's half the fun is just kind of looking at all the shit in the house and trying to put it in, put it all together. And then with what he says too, when he mentions his daughter and kind of like what his personal life is like. Yeah, and there's like snippets of that. So she rents the room upstairs on the third floor and there's this little fucking closet. <laughs> It's like an Alice in Wonderland room. And that's the first thing she notices. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck is that? Oh, that's the closet. It's locked. It's been locked for years. I got the fucking... I lost the key. Lost the key. There's... Or my daughter lost the key. There's a standing wardrobe there. Don't worry about it, okay? Good night. Well, and it's like... It is like... I say Alice in Wonderland because literally it's themed that they even show like pictures of Alice in Wonderland, but it's like this tiny ass fucking door from like the beginning of Alice in Wonderland. You know, it doesn't have a talking uh, doorknob on it, but... (laughs) Sure. 
I mean, yeah, you could. I guess you could correlate that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like a weird little like half door. Yeah, that's just it's strange in itself. It's it's a door to like a crawl space. I I would assume if I saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In the attic because it's on the third floor. But he mentioned Fritz Weaver mentions that like this room used to be his daughter's room. Yeah, and uh, that comes up a bit later because it's just like. Okay, this is my daughter's room, but you know she doesn't live here anymore, or whatever. The way he delivers it too is really uh, just—you could tell there's something going on. Oh yeah, immediately. Oh yeah, because he's—he walks into the room and he's like looking around. <laughs> if you notice, he's like looking around, like to see if anything's in there, and you're like, oh, what's what's he doing? <laughs> Why is he doing that? Yeah, right. Yeah, just being like a all-around weirdo, like sketchy kind of. It's like, yeah, I want to rent a room here. <laughs> He's also like a super well-versed fucking asshole, too. Oh, yeah. Like, he makes fun of people in a, in a kind of a passing way, almost. But I love how when she does take the room and she's, like, unpacking her shit, and this is when the, she starts to, like, feel like she's got eyes on her. Yeah, uh, you know, she she's unpacking her stuff, and, like, this fucking door won't open. She, like, tried... She, she's such a fucking little pain in the ass, too, because she's like, oh, the, the closet's closed? Okay. And then she's like, takes the fucking key out of the door and, like, tries to open it and shit. Um, because that night, she's... The first night she spends, she thinks she hears, like, rats in the closet. She's like, Dr. Fennett, there's rats in there. And he's like, I assure you, there's no rats in there. Only The only rats in this house are in formaldehyde, my dear. Goodbye. Yeah, he's just all right, immediately dismissive about it. Oh, yeah. A- any 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 excuse to fucking just be like, yep, nope, you're crazy, whatever. Uh, nope, you're wrong. But then she does get it open with that key you were mentioned in jail, like the one for the actual main door. Well, does she? It just kind of opens by itself. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, she does have the key in the door, so I think she just is like, oh, okay, it worked. And and it's like, <laughs> then she puts one of her grandmother's fucking mouse traps in there to get that, you know, <laughs> those rats that are scurrying around. Yeah, it'll never work, man. That's one of her grandmother's mouse traps. It'll never work. Yeah, exactly. She didn't wear those fucking gloves. But yeah, when they, uh, when she actually does look in the closet, like you, you were saying, Joe, it's like this small ass closet. You can't really see if you get, there's even enough room to put anything in there. Honestly. Yeah, it's like it's like a tiny. Like, super tiny. And she's like, oh, uh, maybe I could get to the other part of the attic through there. I'm like, I don't see any openings, lady. Like, am I seeing... Are you seeing something I'm not? Yeah, she's been living there for like 20 minutes. And she's already like <laughs> picking around the house. Snooping. Yeah. Yeah, but the, then, they, you know, the night... The, the first night goes by, second night goes by. Then she's in there with her... Fu- she, you know, she puts that mousetrap in there or whatever. And she's going through her slides because she has like a slide protector because she's a fine art uh, student who's like looking at like... Uh, all the art pieces. Yeah, it's all like Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's all Bosch. She hears the snap of the fucking uh, mousetrap in the closet. So she's like, and she freaks out. Now, this, mind you, this episode is shot really fucking well. This The cinematography in this is like top notch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like careful, intense. Yeah. There's only two actors in this whole fucking episode. So it relies heavily on the atmosphere and the mood and the, and the cinematography and lighting and shit. So she goes over, she can't get the door open, but she hears the fucking thing snap. So she's like, whatever, she goes to bed. We get this fucking POV cam. It's creepy as hell, dude. It comes out of the closet, and it's like short. And it's, you know, it's like Chucky vision, like walking through the fucking uh, the dark room while she's sleeping. And then, again, that creepy-ass shot. That always freaks me out in everything where you see just like a glimpse of something small and disgusting, like go around a corner really fast. Yeah, it's like quick. It's like um like sort of like in Phantasm. 
you know, the little guy hiding behind the tombstone. Yeah, that's exactly what I always say. It's like, you know you saw something. Yeah. But, like, you can't, it's so quick that you can't even tell what it actually was. And you're like, what is, what was that? Yeah, and it's like, that's creepy. Yeah, oh, it's creepy as hell. Well, then she wakes up, right? I forget if it's right then and there or in the morning. And this, like, little fucking hand shoots out from, like, under her bed and almost grabs her ankle. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, after she gets back in bed. I'm like, what the fuck are we dealing with? That looks like a house elf's hand. <laughs> oh, it's mutated Dobby? Well, we come to find out it may be creature, but we'll we'll get to that. Oh, dude, is this thing fucking the elves from elves? <laughs> It could be a crossbreed. It could have gotten into the Hemocyanin. You think it was the Nazis that brought this thing to life? Or what? Well, you know, we're going to get to his ass in the next episode, uh, Hagstrom. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> So yeah, so so she she freaks herself out. She goes to bed, and there's this great fucking shot um, where it's on her, and she's still awake, but it pans down to underneath the bed, and it's like that classic shot from Creepshow of the crate when the crate opens after uh, uh, what's his face throws it down the fucking uh, um, into the the lake or the bottomless pit or whatever. Yeah, it's the same shot with just the light across the eyes. Yeah. It's creepy as hell. And still, you can't even, you don't get a full picture of what this thing looks like, but you just know it's this weird creature thing. It's pale, it has red eyes, and it's gross. Yeah, it's pale, it's pink. Well, it's like pinkish blue almost, I would say. Uh, it looks like it has pink eye. Yeah, then it just um, kind of blinks its eyes real slow. Oh, yeah, and it's all like wet and gross. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it has conjunctivitis, Chris. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> So yeah, she complains to Dr. Fenner again, and he's like, you're fucking crazy, there's nothing wrong in the house, I'm go- I'm leaving now, oh, you do you want to ride? And she's like, Dr. Fenner, there's something in that closet, I'm telling you. And he's like, did you see it? Uh, you put a mousetrap in there? Yeah, he kind of perks up right there. Yeah, he's like, what? oh, you put a mousetrap in there? What, what'd you catch? And she's like, nothing. He's like, hmm, okay. Interesting. Do I need to get my pistol out and end this now? <laughs> do you know too much? I suggest you get yourself a pen. <laughs> <laughs> so we do get this like there is this little snippet where, you know, she comes downstairs and she's like, huh. So it was your daughter's room, huh? And he's like, yes, she uh, moved away. You know, I you know, four four years of college I paid for uh, graduate school and now she paints fucking houses. And she's like, huh. And because of how weird he's been already. You don't even know if he's telling the truth? No, right? Does he just does he make it up? Yeah. This could all just be made up and he's just like pulling it out of his ass. It's possible. And uh she's like, "Well, what about your wife?" And he's like, he's like, "A lump in her breast. Mastectomy." And then he's like, "Another lump, another mastectomy, then a spleen, then her liver, whatever, and then death. And he's, like, super cold about it. And then, Oh, because he makes a comment like, oh, yeah, and then uh, inheritance fees or whatever. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, <laughs> Stone cold. Yeah. I've used this speech on countless women. You're just, you're just the most recent one. <laughs> yeah, he's, practi- he's practiced this part enough. I think the best part about him is, like, there is no, like, weird sexual things going on. With this young girl that's living in his house, you know what I mean? No, because we watched the cut version. Well, <laughs> you think Doctor Fenner's cranking it in the in the in, the, uh, in his study? Maybe that little closet's got a little peephole in it. I think he's crawling around up there. Yeah, it's aimed on like a seventy degree angle right into uh, like her bedroom, <laughs> like right into the bed sheet, so he could see like her upskirt. Oh my goodness, he's a sick man. Now here's where we could intercut with uh, the psycho footage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, it's the doctor and the creature. Yes, exactly. Uh, speaking of this uh, creature, it makes its uh, full appearance. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's not shy anymore. It's like yeah. Well, before before we get to that, she opens the closet at one point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's little dresses inside. Now there was nothing in there before. Now there's like little dresses inside and like dolls and shit. She puts her fucking hand in there and the and the the mouse trap is in there that disappeared previously where there was nothing in the fucking closet and it snaps on her hand. Yeah. And then she's screaming in pain and then this fucking uh house elf, this this creature fucking chud crossover walks out. Oh my god. This thing is fantastic. It's like I love all the facial movement on this. Yeah, and this thing, um, you know, just a brief, uh, just touching on the creature itself. This is uh, sort of, I mean, uh, would you agree, Joe? This is sort of like the Tales from the Dark Side mascot. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, when I think of this series, I immediately think of the, uh, well, Lizzie is her name. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, I I absolutely think of this creature. It's on the uh, complete series DVD set. It's the uh, picture on the cover. Right on the cover. Yeah, this is one of definitely the creepier episodes too. Um, And this, I think this is the first creature episode we get to tell you the truth oh yeah it is yeah it uh it kind of took me off guard but i liked it a lot so that's that's what i was saying like in the beginning too like i i think that that this launched it like this was like holy shit this fucking this show's creepy right we need more of this all right syndication baby here we go <laughs> but uh to chris's point yeah this fucking thing is um really cool i i it's got like an elongated neck it's pale it's almost like a hairless ape Kind of. And it's like its teeth are just as long as its nails. Yeah, it's got webbed fingers and webbed feet and like a long neck. And also the way it moves is just creepy. It's like a little stiff, but it still articulates. Yeah, the, the it has the most expression in its face and its fingers move and shit, but like it can only move its face really well. The red eyes, I think, really put it over the top. Man, this fucking thing, the way that it like the little noises it makes are so like it's creepy. Yeah. It's like, eh, 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 eh. well, it's hungry. Yeah, it is. Oh, by the way, um, I guess this thing was in like storage for like years and years and years and in somebody's collection. But uh, Tom Spina Designs uh, restored the original Lizzie puppet from this episode. Um, if you head over to his Instagram, you can actually see the, the restoration uh, pictures and stuff. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, the uh, the way this is shot, it like jumps on her back and like scratches her back and then like pulls her head back and she like slips and falls backwards and it fucking she like slams on the ground and then this little thing like drags her <laughs> inside the closet. Tm. Yeah, this whole part here is like it's like a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Just the way it's uh, you know her expression when she's knocked down, it's like she's not dead, just sort of like half conscious dazed yeah it's uh yeah this part's definitely weird she's she's definitely in shock too i mean she's got this shit scared out of her well she's about to be eaten alive i hate to break it to her (laughs) so (laughs) so that's it she gets gobbled up in the fucking closet and we cut to the next day and fritz weaver's on the phone with her mother and she's like yeah uh yeah, I talked to her last night. Well, I, uh, madam, I rented her a room. I'm not her legal guardian. 
No, I'm not going to go through her little address book. I'm a, prof- I'm a veterinary professor, not a professor of espionage. Yeah, he's still got that swarmy accent. <laughs> like, completely dismisses this woman that's worried about her daughter, and he's like, all right, uh, well, I- I- I'm sorry, but I do have to go. I have root canal work in a half hour. Bye. He's, like, leaning into the, like, the, you know, receiver as he's trying to hang up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, yes, yes, okay, yeah, good. Yeah, okay, bye. Okay, okay, bye. And this whole time... Yeah, in the background, we see uh, Lizzie walking down the steps. Yeah. Like, right in the background. It's not super there, but it's um, you know it's in the background, so you can see it out of focus. It's just out of focus, like over his shoulder, and it's walking down the fucking stairs, and he hangs up with Miss Ansley, and um, he, like, screams uh, because this thing grabs his leg, and he's like, oh, and he looks down, and he's like, oh... Oh, you scared me, you little sweet little thing. And he starts petting it and shit and picks it up. Yeah, picks it up, starts babying it. <laughs> he starts kissing it and stuff. He's like, oh, who's my little girl? Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, I love you. I'm going to take you up. Let's go upstairs. I'm going to put you down for a nap and I'll read you a story, okay? And it's like it's trying to talk here, too. I, I thought it was actually saying something. I think it's just like creature noises. Yeah, I think it's creature noises, but you're absolutely right. It's like, ah, 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 yeah, ah. It's like smiling and everything. Oh, yeah. It's kind of cute. Yeah. And just hugs it and, uh, you know, brings it upstairs to read a uh, story. Gives it a nice little kiss, nice little hug, and then uh, takes it upstairs. Credits. (laughs) So what do we all think of this episode? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where I am with it, too. It's uh, my favorite one so far. I'll say that much. I like this a lot. Man, I... I love this episode so much. I mean, it, it's got everything you could ask for. It's got it's got great lighting, cinematography, uh, a fucking little rubber monster made by Savini himself. Uh, you got that John Harrison score kicking up. Every all the original score is intact, no matter where you watch this episode, um, and it's great. You know, it has the signature like uh, the the woos, the creep show woos, if you will. And Fritz Weaver, man, like he is. Uh, there is just something about the presence that man brings to anything that he's in. He's in another episode later that we're going to get to called Comet Watch. Um, but, uh, man, he is just fantastic. And uh, the, the setting of this is right up my alley, too. Like, I, I I, wish I was Fritz Weaver's character, Dr. Fenner. Like, I wish I had this, like, old-ass <laughs> mansion with, like, all this stained glass and, like, monkey mounts and, and, and uh you know, apothecary and, and pickled rats and shit. Like, that's that's my business. Baboon heads on the wall? Yeah. <laughs> you wish you had a uh, little creature for a daughter? Come on, man. You know I do. <laughs> you know I do. You know I wish I had that little fucking closet upstairs with my little monster girl in it. You'd have your uh, Beekler version, though. You'd have the Beekler creature. Oh, yeah. It'd have a big fucking eyebrow, yeah. Yeah, this is one of the most, uh, like, iconic Tales from the Dark Side episodes. 100%. This is, um, you know, not only is it one of the best episodes from the entire series, but, you know, to get it this early on in the run of the series, it's like this kind of gets you excited to watch more. So, um, you know, it's really glad because it's what this is the sixth episode. Seven. So this is the seventh episode. Eight if you count the pilot. Yeah. And to get this kind of quality right off the gate, you know, we're still kind of early on in season one. Yeah. So, um you know, having something this strong this early, I think it's really good for, you know, to set a pace for the rest of the series and, you know, sort of a, um, you know, benchmark for the quality of the episodes. Absolutely, dude. And, uh, you know, it's like, it is, you know, there's kind of all sorts of bases that Tales from the Dark Side covers. You know, you have comedies, dramas, uh, you know, thrillers, 
but mainly it's a horror series and this is where the horror really shines absolutely dude and again this is like the first like physical creature uh episode that we get uh because up until now it's been what like ghosts and supernatural elements and this is a very real kind of angry wives angry wives. (laughs) yeah we're gonna go back to angry wives soon though apparently (laughs) soon very soon but you know we have this honest to goodness blood flesh and blood creature in this episode and you know going back watching this i mean i've always kind of thought about it watching this episode but now i mean since we're here examining it and getting everything out in the open man the origins of this creature you know is it his daughter did he perform like some kind of sick experiment on her that turned her into that fucking thing or like is it a weird like anthropology like experiment yeah right did he find it somewhere and then on an expedition and then bring it back home and cares for it and calls it his daughter was there ever a wife and another daughter now one weird part since we're you know at you know this point in the conversation one weird part that we should talk about is at the end when he picks it up to go upstairs right before the credits roll yeah when he picks it up it doesn't just cut like normal and go to a wider shot of him going up the stairs or anything but when he picks it up he walks off screen and the camera kind of pans up and focuses on a baboon head on the wall. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, And it's very, it's not, it doesn't feel like an accident. That's that's exactly what I was saying in the beginning. Like, there is very clearly shots that want us to know or at least leave, a, leave a, you know, breadcrumbs to, is this thing like a missing link or... Or is it part of a, a primate family? Somewhere that some somewhere in between, right? Yeah, and like those sort of unanswered questions just adds to the the creepiness here. It's like what even what's actually going on here? Yeah, the mystique of this whole episode is is kind of great, and and it's mostly visual. Um, there there's not much dialogue in this episode at all. It's very it's very heavily based on uh, the atmosphere and and. Uh, the the tension that it builds and and again the lighting is fucking it like knocks it out of the park i think the best yet that we've seen for sure yeah right before we started recording we were kind of saying it's like you know there's a lot to talk about in this episode just because of how good it is but there's not a whole lot of like meat on the bone as far as like dialogue or anything else it's you know again two actors yeah and uh mainly you know stuck to one room and uh, it's mostly, uh, you know, the actress Gail, um, you know, going to the closet, get back in bed, doing something else with the closet. It, you know, there's not too much, but it's it all comes through in the atmosphere and like the tone of the episode. Yeah, the visual storytelling is like top notch, and uh, that that's very much uh, the crux uh, of this episode. But um, yeah, it's just uh, high, we can't recommend this one enough. This is uh, top of the list for Tales from the Dark Side episodes. Oh, top five, easy for sure. Yeah, like I said, my favorite so far. So I am looking forward to seeing more of this kind of stuff. So that was Inside the Closet. Um, and But until next time, I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. And I'm Chris Barr. The dark side is always there, waiting for us to enter, waiting to enter us. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight. <laughs> <laughs>